Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. This is Curve America. I'm your host, Chris Ross, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Marco Charla and Tad Burns. Marco and Tad are the founding members of the official supporters club of AS Roma in Washington, D.C., Roma Club, D.C. Hey, guys. Ciao. What's Ciao. up, Chris? Ciao, Curve Americans. Ciao, Chris. Ciao, Marco. We need, to, we need to drop something back in where you get some sort of splendid title. I like that one time you said that I'm just a Jersey guy that loves all thing Italy or something like that. It makes me makes me feel closer to you. So we need to work that back in the next yeah, episode. Yeah, I missed that too. Just a guy from Jersey. I'm glad you guys appreciate the Jersey I'm just a poor Jersey boy. I need no sympathy. <laughs> Much love to the great state of New Jersey. Uh, before we begin, uh, we also want to plug uh, social media. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Whoever tweets at us, olive oil will overflow with for thee. We're going to continue to distribute olive oil to all our fans if they find us on social media. Also, if you subscribe, rate us, comment on iTunes, or like and subscribe us on SoundCloud. Uh, we really appreciate the feedback and, and do want to hear back from uh, people listening to the podcast. Finally, we'd love to hear from you on Curve America. So please send us emails and, and thoughts. Uh, we have an account set up, Fabio at CurveAmerica.com. You can reach us there, too. We're always looking for ideas and stories to discuss on the sh- on the show, so so please send them our way. So guys, what's going on? Uh, I, I have to mention uh, it has been a very Italian week here in our nation's capital of D.C. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, the amount of Italian stuff that we did this past weekend, I I felt very very close to the land that I once lived in. Yeah, uh, first thing, uh, just driving down here uh, today, you got to notice all the Italian flags. Uh, Italy's Prime Minister Matteo Renzi is in town for state dinner at the White House, and uh, always good to see the uh, the, the three colors uh, along with uh, our nation's flag around town. Apparently, um, Marco's parents bailed on going to that because <laughs> they had to be there at 7. Seven's too early for a dinner, hashtag most Italian thing ever. <laughs> hey, people got to work. <laughs> fair point, fair point. Uh, the other thing, we had an awesome event that we uh, uh, walked around at. Uh, the National Italian American Foundation uh, had an event, and it was just awesome. Right, guys? Uh, just had a great time there. Yeah, total blast. doesn't hurt that we were walking in there riding high after Roma just beat Napoli 3-1. to one. Fair uh, point. So, yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, I, I just really liked it. Uh, some of the people that I was talking to while we were there just... The Italian-American culture, just everyone feels welcome, and, and it was really cool. I, I just like that part. But a bit of a homecoming for me as well, since I'm pretty sure half of North Jersey and, and Long Island was there, uh, including my parents. Uh, they came down to stop at the event. So Yeah, it was, it was raining people from a few different counties on the East Coast yeah. of, <laughs> of the United States. I was out there searching for the, the one random you know, native Iowan Italian person that, that came there, but I guess I had to just stick with, uh, stick with me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe how many New Jerseyans there were around. Uh, but you know, riding back on that comment about Roma, I thought one of the funniest guys and a shout out to Antonio, 
Uh, he's like a 70-year-old man, and he was serving like this uh, olive, what was it called? It was like a vodka of some yeah, sort. Yeah, some sort of great vodka. He literally turned to us, because he saw we were wearing Roma stuff. He turned to us, and he was kind of kind of ignoring people walking up, but he was you know, telling us how he's the oldest fan in D.C., mm-hmm. how he followed them back in the 40s, and, and how he's going to come to the next Roma Club game. So, Antonio, we're looking to uh, see you at the next game. And, uh, you know, again, I- just... That's classic. I I loved all the native Italians there and being around like that many native Italians. I don't think I'd been around that many native Italians since I moved back from Italy and just the characters that you come across, you know, the, how passionate everyone is about anything. And if there's some sort of common link, you know, like the one guy who was a a, a Milan fan, but he had a, he had a picture of him with Francesco Totti and we had to stand there and wait for him for like five minutes so he could desperately show us. He really had to show us his picture of him and Francesco Totti. And at the end, wah, wah. But of course (laughs) we stuck it out because we're like, well, you know, we, we got to give this man props. And he was a Milan fan. So you know, maybe there was a chance to convert him or, or something. What, what was making us stick around? I think you were just waiting to talk to Franco Harris. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's only so many times you get to talk to a Hall of Famer in your life. And in this one, we get to talk to two of them, so, uh, which we'll get into. But, yeah, I mean, we bumped into some other podcast people there. Um, yeah, there's. I was uh, really appreciate uh, talking to the other podcasters. Uh, first one, the Italian-American podcast. Anyone listening to us, chances are you, you like the Italian American culture, so go check out that podcast as well. And then we they're also- doing way better on interviewing people than we are. They have a <laughs> bunch of really cool episodes, yeah. some really cool interviews, some very famous Italians for sure, Italian Americans, I should say. Uh, and then a sports one. Uh, we we met um, uh, Danielle, and uh, she's got a sport a sports blog called Pensieri. She was helping out at the table with the uh, uh, Italian baseball team uh, that's going to be playing in the World Classic. Um, so just two more podcasts to check out. Um, you know, really yeah, Coach cool. M- Coach McCartan is the name of her podcast. Yeah, it's cool. Like she's got ones where she interviews like Noah Syndergaard and Doc Gooden and stuff like that. So uh, um, definitely, guess where she's from? Making those kinds of interviews. The for- great state of New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so check those out too. If you like our podcast, uh, I bet you'd like theirs as well. And speaking of former New York Mets players, that segue. Segway, podcast high five. Let's go Mets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we met uh, new Italian club team owner, uh, Mike Piazza. He's the new owner for Reggiana, uh, which is a team in Liga Pro, which is basically Serie Chi, and just an awesome experience, right? I mean, just super cool guy. Yeah, I mean, again, meeting Franco Harris, super cool, immaculate reception, hashtag immaculate reception. Um, You know, then up rolls Mike Piazza, who... It was a childhood hero of mine is, you know, heck of a baseball player. Also pulled off a mean, like, mullet, goatee, mustache look. Um, <laughs> but no, he comes rolling up now looking, you know, looking like the dapperest of all Dans. And, uh, you know, just a, an unbelievably personable guy. Sees her wearing Roma stuff. And the first thing he goes, oh, I play golf with Jim. And of course... We know who Jim is, yeah, but he's, Mr. he's Pelota. Mis, Mr. Pelota. Mr. Pelota. He got us starting to say, yo, yeah, tell Jim about the yeah. DC, Cuba, DC, man. Right. Yeah, pass him my number. Tell him to text me, man. I haven't heard from him in a while. It got me thinking, like, so So James Pelota is, you know, a billionaire, obviously Roma owner, and Mike Piazza, you know, is probably the greatest hitting catcher of all time, recent Hall of Famer. What happens first? If you what's 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 the greater thing? If are you a billionaire that you get to hang out with Mike Piazza, or if you're Mike Piazza, you get to hang out with billionaires? And 
I, I think that I think that if I was a billionaire, nobody would want to hang out with me, but I would still <laughs> want to hang out with Mike Piazza. Go golfing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you can get on the golf course. <laughs> you think you think you think who do you think's the better golfer? <laughs> oh, I'm not even gonna I, I just know they both get to play a lot of it. So they're both winning. Um, as far as just, uh, the team goes, Regiana, if you're looking for, you know, just a cool team to follow, this is an interesting story. Um, they are in the lower league, we said, Liga Pro, but they've got a cool nickname. Did you guys look that up? Uh, uh, the Blockheads. Testa de Dura? Testa Quadre. Uh, so four corners, I guess. Uh, where were blockheads. you, where were you on that one, Marco? I was trying <laughs> to put that together. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, I like, uh, uh, I guess I'm going to just start calling him Mike now since we're old friends. Um, I like how Mike referred to them as the only Serie A team in Liga Pro. It's like print the T-shirts, man. That's that's pretty that catchy. Pretty cool. Another interesting thing they are uh, sharing Sassuolo Stadium up in uh, uh, Emilia Romagna, uh, Stadio Mape. Um, they wear Granada, the maroon colors, uh, yeah. and also with blue shorts, which is an interesting uh, uh, combo there. Probably um, probably fit right nice with those uh, with those Andrea Pirlo wine colored jumps. Yeah, they would. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, and they played uh, Padova today, and uh, we were rooting for them, but anyone know the result? You know, we tweeted at them that we were pulling for them because we're fans now, um, but they have partially dropped 2-0, but good thing for uh, Reggiana is that caps them at 15 points, only three points off the top, um, but again, you know, we're a podcast for uh, about Italian soccer, not necessarily for Americans, but from the American perspective, uh, you know, all of us out there, we got to get behind a fellow American um, going out there, making his name by buying a team in, in Italy. It's definitely a story that hopefully hopefully it works out. They're getting the Serie A, and we're talking about two American owners in the Serie A, at, you know, at least at some point. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, great event. Uh, check out NIAF uh, just if you like Italian-American culture. It really was a cool event. We were, we were grateful for being able to go there. A lot of free cheese and Lavazza yes. coffee. Yes, absolutely. As you'd expect from an Italian From festival. an Italian event, yep. Um, last thing we just want to mention, uh, we obviously didn't pod last week because the international games, uh, Marco, you got the rundown of, uh, the scores for the, uh, the U S and both in Italy as well. Yeah. Italy had a tough game against Spain in Juventus stadium. Uh, but it ended up one, one did Rossi scoring the PK on yeah, his hundredth yeah. game with the national team. We all love that. I think Tad got a haircut, uh, you know, just to, to, I took uh, my shirt off for him. Tribute, <laughs> tribute to, to De Rossi. And then they had a crazy game against Macedonia. Um, for all the Serie A fans, Pandev plays for Macedonia. That's probably the only one we'd recognize. Um, but it was such a crazy game. Uh, Italy actually went down. Then they tied it up 2-2 and then scored a goal in the last minute. Um, so but It's nice to see Belotti scoring for Italy and Ciro Mobile. I think my favorite thing about that whole game is it was played in Macedonia at the Philip II Arena, right. which, uh, as an ancient history guy, Alexander the Great's dad, who invented the Macedonian war machine, only to be maybe or maybe not killed by Alexander upon his conquest of Asia Minor and the known world. So I, I, you got to love that, hey, man, we're going to do the Philip II of Macedon Stadium. To have the tour guide. <laughs> Back at it. I wrote a paper on him in college. Um, and then we got the U.S. Uh, uh, these were friendlies, um, but uh, it was 2 nothing for Cuba down in Havana, kind of a historic event. Uh, yeah. We went down there uh, to, play, to play in Havana, which is cool. Um, and then here in D.C., actually, uh, they, they played New Zealand to a 1-1 draw. So kind of a mixed bag for the U.S., but uh, 
you know, getting ready for the hex to start uh, World Cup qualifiers in in the next couple of weeks here. They got to do better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Fabio got to meet uh, uh, Megamind uh, uh, Michael Bradley yeah, after the game. That, outside yeah, picture. At the airport. Looking a little scruffy, though. Yeah. So that uh, brings us up to speed, and we're back, guys. We're back for week eight. Woo! Syria week eight. Syria stuff. Curve Americans, get ready. So let's uh, jump right into it with the rundown. This week was full of both action and lack of action. Roma takes down Napoli. Milan blasts the donkeys. Empoli begins their big run. Well done, Ted. Yeah. Here Cr- they come. Watch Cr- out, world. Crotone continues to break my heart with just infinite sadness for the croutons. And a couple of scoreless draws. Uh, but the season did see its first blown melodrama with the saga of Inter's Mauro Icardi, which we're going to get into a lot on this podcast. So let's jump into it with the top of the table. We got Juventus. Paula Dybala nets brace and leads a second-team Juve squad past Udinese with a final score of 2-1. Tad, what do you got? You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of the same from Juventus. They're playing a lot of games. They're playing in a lot of competitions. Um, they've tried out a lot of formations. Um, and I think what they've been really focusing on is uh, getting Dybala going because um, last year, you know, he lit the world on fire. This year he had kind of a slow start. And uh, Juve, you know, kind of not uncommon for them, has a slow start themselves. They go down 1-0. Jankto uh, gets a muff pass, and he blasts one. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't say blast. He hits one that, you know, Buffon probably should have saved it, but he must have had, you know, eight glasses of wine this week, so nope. Sustaining the rage. He he didn't sustain the rage too much on that one. He had had one too many plates of pasta. Um, But from there, you know, Juventus woke up. Dybala blasts a, a set-piece left footer that was as smooth as a cold beer on a hot day. And he knocks in another PK to bring Juventus to have the 20th consecutive home win. And across that stretch, they've averaged 2.3 goals per game. So it's really, you have to say, yeah, it's just more of the same from Juventus. Uh, if you look at the squad they put out there, um, Benatia got at the start, Patrice Evra, Licksteiner, Lamina. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a combination. Mandzukic started. So it's a combination of Juventus players you haven't really seen, expecting to probably beat um, Udinese pretty easily. Did, um, did you, uh, I, I think, remember from the weekend, Udinese struck first, though, in this game, right? Yeah, they, they struck first. Yeah, a muffed pass. Jankto knocked it in. Um, you know, it's just kind of those things don't seem to be past Juventus, but Juventus is not one to let the, those chances go by, especially if you score them early early on. Um, that goal was in the in the 30th minute. Um, Bonucci did not start this game, which is a little bit interesting because all this talk of Chelsea apparently preparing a 60 million pound or euro or dollar, whatever, it doesn't whatever. matter, it's funny money, um, bid for this guy. Um, so, but they're, but, all, they're also playing Champions League this week. So, they are also yeah. playing Champions League. But, you know, Bonucci's 29 years old. Chelsea has got money to burn. They really need somebody to replace John Terry up there. What do you think the likelihood is that Bonucci leaves Juventus and goes to the Champions League? Sorry, goes to, goes to the Premier League. It's a big question because for all the Juve players, right, like playing time, I mean, they're going to do big things, right? They're the Real Madrid of, of Serie A, but... At some point, you'll be like, well, if I play more, I mean, okay. Chelsea's a solid name, too. Like, why not? Why not go? Personally, Juventus pays well. They have high ambitions. As soon as Juventus' ambitions, you know, gear off of winning Champions League, like, they, like they're, they're not, it's not going to be that way for a while. 
I think Bonucci and Chiellini and, and players that are solid on Juventus uh, aren't going to be looking to move out, weaken Serie A, because again, they have Italy on their shoulders uh, in a way. You know, they are the backbone. Uh, the Juventus defense is the backbone of the Italian national team too. So oh, they yeah. got some pride on, on, on their shoulders too. Again, they're not really lacking pay, you know. I think that it's another thing of Juventus putting it out there that maybe they'd be willing to release somebody like that just so it gets their name in the news and gets their name attached to all these other teams, uh, you know, around. It, you know, is is Chelsea at the end of the day going to spend sixty million? Will Juventus sell him? If yeah, if somebody's willing to overpay, because one thing Juventus is awesome at is reloading. Right. Now, Bonucci, like you said, has been a, a backbone of the Italian national team and the backbone of this defense. Um, you know, is also twenty nine. So if they can reinvest that money somewhere else, great. But at the end of the day, I really don't see Banucci leaving. I see him, you know, unless he's bored with winning, you know, titles in Italy and wants to go and try and do it somewhere else. Um, but no, Juventus at the end of the day, another strong showing. Um, you know, next week they're going to have another true test, and if they're able to burn through a red hot Milan team, you know, Udinese they drop down the relegation area, close to the relegation area. Got a new coach. No it's hat. Good. No hat this time with Del Neri. Yeah. But we also have Buffon. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the TIFO in the beginning. What's that? The TIFO was uh, about Clark Kent. So he kind of had a bit of a howler in uh, with uh, with Spain. Right. And uh, um, kind of let the ball go through his legs. Um, so the, the TIFO was about being, you know, even Superman has to be Clark Kent some days. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing this in because after the Macedonia game, Buffon loses his shorts. Just, I still don't have an answer, but just like walking around the field in tidy whities It's that's such an Italian league thing I that know. even even players like like Nangolan, like Nangolan after the game, he's he's Belgium. Like you'll see him, he's got no shirt on and no shorts on, and like like flip flops on, walking around <laughs> like talking to people. And it's like, I mean, the one thing when I see Nangolan with his shirt off, uh, my first reaction is, I thought he'd have more tattoos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just like a, a tradition in Italy. It's like you you score a goal. I, you know some of the memorable ones were Mirko Vucinic when he played with Roma. I'm thinking about De Rossi, Cassano. I mean, all these guys. It's just hilarious to see that you know they rip their shorts off and they're basically wearing these freaking adult diapers. Yeah. Is what they look like, <laughs> and you know they got their thing swinging all around, and they're just you know they're just uh, liberated. Yeah, almost, just just right? well, because like an Italian culture thing too. It's like. You know, in, in the United States, if it's hot, you can pop your shirt off and walk around. Yeah, no, but in Italy, sure. they're like, no, 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 that's for the beach. There's like very, like these unspoken rules of where like public nudity or, or close to public nudity is allowed. So apparently, it's not, it ain't no thang, but a chicken wang on a string. Or it ain't no thang, but a thang in a, in a men's diaper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Serious question. Is you can just pop it off, man. Yeah. Question for the podcast listeners. If you have any idea of why italy seems to do that we're, we're genuinely curious as to why that seems to be okay anyway juve wins again mm-hmm. all right up next is the fight for second place between napoli and roma marco's gonna lead us off with our game of the week yeah it was an amazing game amazing game stat stadium was absolutely packed electric atmosphere and uh, you know, obviously being Roma fans, 
the perfect result to get to kick off the the kind of the perfect weekend, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. Really good yep. weather this weekend too, by the way. So such a good win, make me want to meet some Hall of Famers. <laughs> I mean, look, like Roma really showed that you know they are dangerous and they have top players in the league. Uh, basically, the game uh, started off when uh, Koulibaly biffed a, a clearance. Salah got the ball, put the ball across the six, and Jekyll just. It was a good finish, a, a classic striker's sick, goal. Sick dummy by Nangolan, too. Yeah, and so Roma goes up one nothing. Uh, just a little bit later, uh, Jekyll gets a header goal off a uh, Florenzi cross. Man, Florenzi's crossing on, on set pieces is absolutely amazing. Yeah, Miralem who? <laughs> and uh, Koulibaly kind of makes up for his uh, error on the first goal. He scores a... a f- it was a fine header, honestly. He got up. He got up. Yeah. Uh, Jekyll kind of, you know, messed up on the on the marking, but he got up and he headered it upper ninety. And at that point, you were like, okay, here we yeah, go. Napoli's at, Napoli's at home, and uh, Jameson, please. They got some <laughs> momentum. Um, you know, Mertens comes in, uh, but Roma's able to hold them. Uh, solid, really solid performance by Fazio and Manolas and uh, Mohamed Salah at the end. On a nice break, uh, just a perfect slipped-in finish to the back corner. You know, something that's, that you—that's the Salah specialty yep. right there. Like it's you, the post, and it goes in. It right? just made, as soon as I went in. I, I mean, this is classic Roma fan right here. You know, just ne- never happy enough, right? I, mean, I was just thinking, man, dude, why couldn't you do that against Real Madrid last season? You know, <laughs> how many chances <laughs> he that tried. he tried? He tried. But yeah, like you know, as as I mentioned, uh, I think that games like these, uh, you know, restore faith in 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 Roma fans. Um, my dad called me after the games like, so, you know, what about that Roma team? Huh? Not a bad team, huh? I was like, yeah, not a bad team. We'll Your see. dad's from New Jersey too? <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I was like, we'll see what happens when they play a, you know, a weaker team because that's, I guess, the true test for Roma. But really the takeaway is, is Edin Jekyll, Team Jekyll, we've been saying it since day one here. Mm-hmm. This man is scoring goals at will. And I don't want to hear it, at least for a couple games, yeah, Hopefully, he's that he's useless. I want to hear anything like that because he had an amazing game. Man of the match performance, and he's put a couple of those in this season. Uh, if the team builds off of Jekyll, uh, top striker like that, he's... You know, I think Roma's going in the right direction. Well, look at look at the one of the big complaints about who Jekyll is as a player is that he doesn't finish in front of the goal. Like, he gets himself in the right position, and why, you know, why he draws such ire is because he misses chances he should make. So now it seems that he's just putting those bad boys in. Um, we're a little bit more excited about him going forward. And, you know, I mean, seven goals in his last eight appearances. The guy's absolutely on fire. Um, Florenzi played very well this game as well. I and mean, we brought that up with the cross. Um, from the Nap- Napoli side, uh, you know, Schmiegel was all over the place. <laughs> I thought he played pretty well. But it for me, it wasn't... It wasn't who turned up for Napoli is that who didn't? Because like Milik, you know, he tears his tears ACL, his ACL, ACL yeah. this week, and it's like, what's gonna happen? You know, what's what's gonna come of that? Where are they gonna get the goals? Because he was scoring at a high pace, and Halehon, you know, has been playing well as well. And you know, you thought that maybe he would step up, and then another great opportunity for Gabbiadini to come in, and Gabbiadini whiffs. Kalihan was almost nowhere to be found. Trace Mertens, you know, he had a couple of dangerous chances, but, uh, uh, you know, relatively ineffective. And Hamsik, 
you know, Mad Max Fury Road man himself. Yeah. You know, apparently he was out there looking for the guzzoline and not the gold, man, because uh, uh, I didn't see a whole lot of them. It has to be said, you know, Napoli had the, the share of the possession. They also had more shots than Roma. But, you know, this is the kind of game that you look at the shots and, you know, even though some things look unbalanced. I mean, it was 21 to 14 shots. I'm not saying that it was a blowout. But at the same time, it was a game that rode on waves. Mm -hmm, One team goes up two goals. Another team hits it back. These are the, you know, these are like second and third best teams right now in Italy. And and this is the game that we expected. Because a lot of time you have games like this that, you know, teams are shelled up. It's a tactical match. But with the types of players that Roma and Napoli have that are dangerous and are electric... These are the beautiful games you watch that are some free play and you have some really talented players. You got the game riding on ways. This time, Roma came out on top. And uh, look, you know, we're not going to hide it. You know, Roma winning that game was huge because we also know that if that game would have ended up being a tie, Juve would be six points clear instead of five points clear. Um, you know, that's that's two, two wins. You know, obviously, five points is still good for Juve, but... Um, you it's know. within striking distance, yeah. so they 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 drop one, they draw one. Roma continues to win. It gets that big showdown with Juventus and Roma actually meaning a right. lot. Oh yeah. Um, you know now Juventus is super strong, um, and now they are five points clear. Um, but yeah, great win for Roma. It's coming back around again. Yeah, this is the Derby of the Sun. Uh, Roma goes down first loss for Sari in um, in the uh, in, in this in San Paolo. First loss for him, first away win for Roma. So, yeah. you know, congrats to Roma, congrats to us. Uh, but, but let's see if they can, you know, keep this rolling. And, and hope Napoli comes back because they do have Champions League, which is good for Italy. Um, I, I don't have. I hope they don't have like a, you know, shattered well, confidence. Spalletti's game out. plan really neutralized a lot of uh, of Napoli's attack. So I think they'll definitely come back. You can't expect Insigne, Calihone, and Gabbiadini to play that poorly again. All right, up next is Chievo versus Milan. The result being 1-3. Milan rolls into third place. Couldn't be happier about it. And they have a five-match unbeaten streak. Marco, what do you got? Man, after that massive comeback and 4-3 result against Sassuolo, Milan get a really important win against Chievo, who has been another team surging uh, through Serie A this season. Uh, And the way they do it is by scoring in the you know, textbook, most important times of the game. Uh, we got Kuchka, who basically uh, gets a poor clearance out of the back. I believe it was from Cacciatore. And he gets it. Uh, this is on the stroke of halftime. Just slaps it with his left foot. U9. Beautiful goal. Uh, and then Niang, to his own right, scores a beautiful goal. Dribbles the defender uh, and slaps one far, far net with his left foot. One minute later. One minute after the the half uh, turns. And so Milan's riding high. Again, they're in good form. Um, Let's see what Chievo can do. Of course, who comes through for them is Birsa, who used to play with Milan a couple seasons ago and has been having himself a hell of a season so far. He scores a beautiful free kick. I mean, this was just a beautiful game to watch. Uh, If you're just watching highlights, and I, I recommend going to see them, I mean, you, you know, you see some top-class finishing uh, until the last goal, which was, uh, you know, Bacas, who's just kind of in form himself. But he basically takes, in the 94th minute, a shot with the outside of his foot, 
and it looks like it's going out of bounds. Like on the far side, you know, like one of the ones that's like you you, you go for the shot, you shank it, and it, it doesn't even go past the goal line, just goes out of bounds. Uh, but it actually luckily hits Dinelli in the back and deflects into the goal. At that point, Kievo was thrashing, trying to get, you know, that, that, that point, salvage a point. But uh, Milan is just in one of those moments, you know, you're a good team, you're, you have good players and you're in form and good things happen when, when you're in those moments. Yeah. You got to think like Baca. Yeah. He doesn't get the goal. It's an own goal, but just sometimes you're unconscious. Sometimes you have those streaks where like nothing you can do is wrong. You know, it's like in basketball, you go up for that, for that layup and somebody hacks you and you turn, you just throw it over your back like Kobe and it goes in. I mean, that's just the way this team's playing right now. Um, you know, beginning of the season, we're talking about these people being a total mess and like all the front office um, uh, unrest that is going on. And they struggled to begin with. And, you know, now they're playing a, a, a Kievo team that I think is is dangerous. Yeah, I'm talking to you, the Duke of Duchess at Hang the DJ. I think they're a pretty dangerous team, especially if Bierson and Lucas Castro are playing the way they are playing. But you do get that. I told you so from this one. Um you know, it's 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 not they're not a pushover. And now we you know Blink and Milan is is as a five match unbeaten streak and they're in the Champions League. And uh, uh, out of this, too, um, you know, they have 16 points in eight games. Yeah. And that's the best since 20, 2010 for these guys. And the last time they were this good, they won the they won the Serie A. And that's the last time anybody that's not named Juventus that won the Serie A. So this is a team to get excited about. And Yang getting going. Watch out. That'll yeah. be a tough out. I don't think it hurts that uh, uh, their cross-field rival, uh, cross-city rivals right now are kind of uh, in a really down moment. We'll yeah. talk about that in a little bit. What, what were you going to say, Chris? Uh, just for me, this game was just three beautiful left-footed goals. Uh, that's what I took away from the highlights. I agree with Marco. Definitely check out the highlights for that alone. Uh, but great result for Milan moving up in, in uh, the top three. Uh, but an opportunity missed for Kievo because if they win this game, yeah. they are at the they're very top. They're mixing with the big boys. And, uh, you know, like Tad said, they're for real. Like it, it's a, it's a missed opportunity, but they're going to keep knocking. I really think they're a good team. They're for real, but, uh, let's say it. I mean, they, with 13 points, they're going to be super happy. They're going to be elated because ultimately Europa league would be exceeding expectations. Yeah, uh, definitely. For a team like Kievo. They've actually, they, Honestly, they've beat the teams they needed to beat, which is huge. But they've they've lost against all the big teams, uh, and you know that's if if you want to break that that tier into Europe, uh, you have to do something at least against the big teams. Um, but overall, uh, you know, we're, I'm happy for Kievo because I uh, I think that they are a talented squad, and it's exciting when when there's some depth in the table. Milan, fun to watch them kind of get back. Uh, in the game, so let's oh, yeah. see if they keep it rolling. Montella's got that swagger now. He's downplaying people being excited. He's like, nah, 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 nah. Everyone just chill. So uh, uh, <laughs> definitely fun team. Looking forward. All right, up next is Torino v Palermo. The Bulls of Torino take it to Palermo after going down early, four-one. So guys, my first thought with this game was Palermo must have watched the Crotone and the Sassuolo game before and said, Ragazzi. If we get one early, we might be able to pull this thing off. Second thought was, Torino saw the Sassuolo-Crotone game and said, we are not having any of that. <laughs> or uh, just Palermo's trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Palermo strikes with first blood uh, in the fifth minute. A guy named Chokev. Who? And a collective who is that goes across the podcast interwaves. Uh, just heard uh, um, he's a Bulgarian. He's actually in a one year, uh, in his first year with a five year deal with Palermo. So they have plans for him. Uh, but that's his first goal of the season. And uh, Joey Bag of Donuts, Joe Hart, he loses his clean sheet in the fifth minute. He's apparently also lost his uh, taste for Italy, too, guys. Uh, he, he was interviewed and said that uh, he wants to go back to EPL uh, next season. So the question to you guys, how do we keep Joe Hart in Italy? I, I hate to go f- like a full Italian here. <laughs> but what in the heck does Joe Hart want to go back to England for? What's, yeah. How are you going to go back to the farm once you've seen Carl Hungus? Like... <laughs> the, he he's living in a beautiful climate, beautiful thing everywhere. Eating well, drinking well. Apparently, it sprung board him into you know prior great form because he's doing great for Torino. That's right. And he just had a heck of a game in the international game, like one of the best saves incredible you've save seen all him. year. And now he he wants to go back so we can go to like you know the Newcastle. Yeah, you know, like like no shade to. Newcastle, but I mean, come on, man. I mean, you're you're in a great team. You have a young, awesome, dynamic team. Yeah. You can win some titles. Why would you want to go back to Manchester? Right. You can win some titles. I don't know about that, but I yeah, I guess I, maybe I spoke a little bit. I, too I, I soon. do. I do know. I do know that. You know, I got no, a little worked I'm, up I'm, there. I'm not going to say that Joe Hart is is ungrateful because, you know, with EPL comes money. Yeah. You know, fame playing in a, a top level in your own country. I mean, there's a lot of pride thing going on there. And so the only thing is, yeah, also, come on, Joe Hart. Like, already? Yeah. Like, you're, you've been here for three games, That's, four games? That was my thought, right? Come like, on, you've man. been here for like a month. But like, I heard, no matter, I was reading in uh, the British tabloids that apparently, like, his breakdancing crew, like, just coming apart at the seams now that <laughs> now that he wasn't around. So, I don't know. Well, we're hoping Joe stays. The Italian was pretty good. The food's good, Joe. We, we'd love to ha- keep you in, a, in a, the Serie A league. But back to the game itself, that was really it for Palermo. Their, their fifth-minute goal, it's all Torino from this point on. Lajic, uh, former Romanista, Interis, Interista, he's got two beautiful goals in this game, top corner goals in the 25th and the 40th minute, to the point where Palermo's coach, who is always on the hot seat, uh, Deserbi, Sounded really deflated after seeing the two goals. He, he, in the quote, he goes, when you play against teams with champions, you really you can go under, end of quote. So I, I, he really kind of took it to him in, in that part of it. Um, well, I mean, with Jacarini out there, Jacarini out there, man, he's got to right. feel. That's right. Be looking over his shoulder. With the baseball hat and all, I'm sure. Uh, two more Torino goals that, that, that didn't mean him anything. Uh, uh, 45th plus minute, Benassi scores one. And then in the 50th minute, Baselli gets one. Um, you know, they didn't need him, obviously, but uh, Torino really dominated the game. Other point, uh, Belotti uh, didn't have any goals in the game, but, but is rumored to get a contract extension now with a 60 million euro uh, release clause in it. So Marco's got a theory on that, I think, of uh, what that means for Belotti's future. I'll tell you exactly what that means. He went in the back room with the managers uh, of the of the organization. They said, "Hey, look, we're happy for you, but uh, you know, we scratch your back, you scratch ours." You know, here comes the New Jersey accent again. But <laughs> basically, the the reason why clubs do that is because they want to make the most money possible off a player. 
Um, so kind of feeding themselves. And they're all honestly up, upping his price tag, which is a good thing for him too. Uh, but we'll see because that kind of puts some pressure on a young player. Uh, we'll see if he you know, takes it and runs with it or lets the pressure get to him. Yeah. And to go on with my mispronunciation of Baldy McBalderton, I'm going to quote uh, the great American politician Donald Trump. I prefer Syria coaches that don't get fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. The uh, the results uh, put Torino, they got 14 points, which puts them in a Europa spot. Uh, so, Joe Hart, consider that. You got a, you're playing for a Europa spot right now. Maybe that makes you stay. And then Lowly Palermo, they have six points, which is good enough for 18th, which is uh, the relegation zone, although they're only one point away from Udinese. Uh, so, you know, maybe Palermo breaks, breaks out, but they got to start getting some results. Congrats to Torino. Okay, up next is OTFR, the other team from Rome versus Bologna. Ends in a 1-1 draw with Chiro Immobile scoring a PK in the 97th minute for the tie. Marco's got this one. Yeah, disappointing for OTFR dropping a point uh, when they're kind of in the thick of things. Uh, they dominated the whole game as well. They had 25-8 to eight in shots, 68-32 to 32 in possession, and 18 corners to zero. So... Big stat. Yeah, my men's league team had more corners than Bologna. My, me personally in this podcast right now has had as many corners as Bologna in this in this game. So basically, in the first half, Bologna scores uh, a nice goal uh, off of off a set piece. Helander, I think we decide we agreed that Helander was going to be the way we we pronounce his name. He had a great game all around uh, and just kind of a tap in, but it was a really nice ball served in toe poke. It's a little Got toe poke, it. yeah. yeah. Toe poke. Uh, in the second half, I mean, Felipe Anderson is just so dangerous. I mean, there was one play where he created an incredible goal-scoring chance only to get saved off the line, but he basically schooled like five players on the sideline, did a one-two to come in, and uh, when he put it across, the goalie made a goal-line save. And guys, technology has arrived in oh, Italy. That's right. I saw this. But yeah. It, and I've seen it before, the goal line camera, right? But guys, this is the first time I've seen the goal line camera, actually goal line technology being used appropriately. <laughs> I've literally seen the goal line technology used when a guy gets a handball and the ball is like like five feet away from the goal line. It's like, why are you even showing that? It's like Italy was trying to prove that they had it, you know? But this time around, they used it and they used it uh, very well because it was it was borderline. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, Bologna plays this direct game. They've been squeaking out good results, but this is a game for OTFR to lose. Uh, and in the 97th minute, 97th minute, Chido Immobile scores a PK after a, I think, pretty blatant dive by uh, Sir Wallace up there. But, you know, the Bologna team was furious. We're a little bit furious. You know, we would have liked to see probably Bologna get that win. But... Uh, two teams that are both in good standing right now. Yeah, I think that they just finished that game like this Monday morning. That gets, I mean, how much stoppage time needs to be going in that game is crazy. Felipe Anderson is definitely a, a guy that when he gets hot, he's unstoppable. You know, OTFR has really got to hope that they can get him going because they've been relying so heavily on Chiri Immobile to, for all their scoring. Point for uh, Bologna taking a uh, page out of the refer Italian referees book. Did you guys see the jerseys? bright yellow oh, like yeah. super bright yellow 
uh, looking like referees uh, do in, in Italy. But the Tad's point, guys, what happens if Chirimobile gets injured, though? You know, like, I just think that OTFR right now uh, relies on Chirimobile, who's got five goals right now and been having a hell of a season, even for the national team. We were talking about it earlier. That, that lets me say that my favorite word of the pod so far is Capo Cagnari. That puts Chiri Immobile two behind Capo Cagnari, which is? Capo Cagnari. Capo Cagnari. Thank you. Chief pronunciator <laughs> right here. But uh, two behind uh, uh, Edin Checo, of all people, uh, for who's who's in the lead right now for Capo Cagnari. I, I think that um, Chiri Immobile, I think what, what Lazio's got to do right now is just to hope that that he doesn't get hurt, that, you know, he's, he's do playing well for them. They can't, you know, think about that because, uh, they got, they got to ride a player when, you know, when he's doing well, but let's say heaven forbid that happens or, you know, hopefully it happens uh, very, he he stubs a toe or, you know, something like that. Nothing, nothing life threatening before the, before the Derby della Capitale. Um, I think they've been trying to get Keita involved. Um, Keita's had a couple games where we've had some nice scoring opportunities, um, but yeah, I mean, then again, Felipe Anderson, try and keep him moving, but they're definitely going to have a real uphill battle if the guy who, for my money, is the best euro-for-year acquisition in the entire transfer window, um, yeah. if he's not on the field. Agreed. All right. We have Inter and Cagliari now. Cagliari take advantage of an Inter team in free fall and claim three points on the road. But there's a bigger story here. Mauro Icardi becomes the most hated man in Milan since Attila the Hun. Well done, Tad. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Milan dropped this game at home, uh, two to one to Cagliari. Cagliari, um, you know, for their part, I guess we'll just get them out of the way while they do it. But they, you know, they they have a three game unbeaten streak. They jump to eighth with 13 points. Um, and next week they get a chance to really prove it against a, a struggling Fiorentina team. And this game, you know, it wasn't a, an absolute total disaster for Inter. It's just the surrounding things about it because the game definitely takes a backseat to the on, you know, off the field antics between Accardi, the Milan organize, sorry, the Inter organization, and the fans or the ultras. Um, you know, Inter dominated this this game in every statistical category except for the one that counts, and that's the score. Um, and that's because Calgary, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, is a veteran team that is allowed to put is able to put it together and be serious when they need to be. Uh, Melchiori and Piscane, you know, played their hearts out and showed great determination in front of the goal. Uh, Melchiori had a little dipsy do play uh, for his goal, where he caught it off his back heel and, and volleyed it to himself for a goal. Um, and then uh, uh, they they. And the thing with Melchiori getting a, a shooting a ball at Handanovic, um, who had an own goal, you can't really blame him for it because the guy was Superman diving all over the place every time um, Calgary scored. They didn't have half as many shots as Inter did, but they made him count. Um, but you know, the big thing with the game is is why it wasn't two to two is because Icardi missed his third of his last four penalty kicks. <laughs> Right in the middle of the time that the story of Inter is Mauro Icardi. Yeah, we're, we're going to get you caught up on this because it has just been unfolding the past couple days. It's the, the biggest story out of Serie A this week for sure. So Icardi's an Argentinian, and he's Inter's guy, right? Uh, he's, he's agreed to stay with Inter despite a lot of interest during the summer. from and, other. And he's 23 years old. And he's a young guy, totally. Uh, but he stayed. and And so... He's a complicated guy, though, right? Despite all that interest, he's going to stay with them. 
as he's with Inter, his personal life starts to fall out onto the field. And what we mean by that is he starts dating his Argentinian teammate's ex, uh, Maxi Lopez's ex, uh, who Maxi Lopez has three kids with her. And soon after uh, Icardi starts dating with them, they get married and they also have a kid of their own. But that starts to be an issue because other people from Argentina start bringing it in, none other than Maradona. Not other people, the Argentinian. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, came into Italy for uh, like a charity game in, in Rome, organized by Pope Francis, of all people. And uh, uh, he had a question asked to him about Icardi, and he basically knocked down the reporter saying, I don't talk about traitors. It was just, wow, just throwing shade at Icardi real quick. Now, to be fair... Maradona show, throws shade at just about everybody in Italy not named Francesco Totti. <laughs> he was literally tr- getting into an argument with Veron on, <laughs> on the field for a charity game. Who saw that? <laughs> but, all right, so that, that's all going on. But Inter, this is their guy, right? They sign him for another deal, another uh, five-year deal. Uh, and he's walking around with, like, an extended jersey that has the year and everything like that. This is Inter's guy of the future. A week later goes by, and Icardi apparently did not send a, a uh, pre-release book to the Inter uh, organization because it has a bombshell in it. Um, he goes after the Ultras in an entire chapter saying there was an event uh, back in uh, the 2014-2015 season where he tried to give a, his jersey to a, a fan, and the Ultras weren't happy with the, the play uh, of the game, so... They throw the jersey back at him, and I'm going to let you guys talk about basically what happened with the rest of this uh, between the ultras. Yeah, so I mean, that just he that little transgression that happened between them wasn't really played up um, until the book drops, and the ultras take a huge um, point of contention with Acardi's telling of the story, basically call him a liar which is probably the nicest thing they called him. Yeah. Uh, Marco has some quotes from uh, uh, the the Ultras leader. Yeah, the spokesman for the Ultra group, his name is Franco Caravita. He basically said, I had two quotes that really stood out to me. He said, these words were too serious. And I'd add that we're hostages to these characters who ask for millionaire contracts and then behave like spoiled children. He later on went to say, if Icardi scores, he scores for Inter. So we'll thank him, Inter, not him. Yeah, so that whole thing blows up, and um, this happens like right before the game time. Right. And apparently not too soon for the uh, Inter fans, the Inter Ultras, to go and write a whole bunch of awful things on banners, put it everywhere that they think Icardi is going to see it. He comes to the game and plays like his own team hates him and uh, misses a PK after the game with this in- disappointing loss um, and DeBoer already on the hot seat because honestly this team has been in free fall since they beat Juventus. Right. Uh, they, they, you know, they couldn't, they, they couldn't beat a three-legged dog at this they had point. Zero points in the Europa League group. Yeah. Zero points. And, um, you know, so then the questions become to DeBoer, you know, the, the big wigs of Milan come down. They're actually talking about stripping Nicardi's captaincy. It actually comes out now that he's just going to be fined. 
Um, but you know, basically doing his best Odell Beckham Jr. impersonation. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, Chris. We um, won. I'll, we can take it this year. This yeah, week. He, he doesn't. He doesn't apologize to a kicking net, but he comes out <laughs> and apologizes on Instagram to all the fans. And you kind of hear what Marco read as their response. And all this comes this huge row that, like, yeah, usually when something bad happens, it highlights other previous questionable behavior because Maori Cardi dating you know, Maxi Lopez or marrying Maxi Lopez is his ex-wife. That's not unseen in, in professional sporting ranks. Um, you know, and then Maradona coming and having, you know, a, a, a passionate words for him. But I think that some of that can be dismissed to kind of like the fiery Latin culture that they have that, you know, that, uh, um, that to, to, there's, there's kind of a line in the sand here, but if that doesn't matter on the field, then, you know, who really cares? Cause Icardi's their guy. But then, you know, having this book dropped and apparently what a lot of people saw in Italy as a poor, you know, exercise of judgment and sets off the fans that the fans, because of this, are the ones that have had this enormous influence on what Inter is actually going to do with their franchise player um, in the near and maybe the not too distant future because the Sharks are already in the water. Arsenal's already back on board. Liverpool's talking about they want him. This guy's a superstar. Right. And just brings up to me that like, what a what an unbelievable little well, I wouldn't say little but what an unbelievably unique thing to soccer um, and particularly soccer in Europe or, I mean I guess what an unbelievably particular thing to soccer that your major supporting fans can have an impact on yeah. how the team runs their organization now it's not like you know in the United States where, where some of the NFL players or, or baseball players or professional athletes have you know problems with domestic abuse they fall out we have you know we have Ray Rice Greg, Greg Hardy but if it's not uncommon in the United States for professional athletes star athletes to come out and call out their fans and their fans are like nah whatever jerk but there's no uniform central thing of what the fans are the fans don't have a spokesperson right. and the fallout from this was absolutely immediate that it seems that like to a certain extent the organization is more on the side of the fans than they are on their players that that the players are going to come and go but the ultras are going to be the ones that stay there which is both cool and dangerous at the same time yeah. it's not the first time we've had to see you know, Italian soccer players run out and uh, uh, have to apologize to fans. It's crazy. Yeah, a couple years ago, I'm just thinking about, you know, the Napoli game that literally got halted and you got Hamsi going out to the head ultra and you're watching this thing live on television, the head ultra coming down from the stands to talk to Hamsi. Uh, you know, right now, Roma, you know, they basically, the Curva Sud, their main their main curva has just been boycotting the curva because the, you know the city wants to put up barriers. I mean, I will say uh, we've actually had an experience, and and we know that you know the soccer fans like DC United soccer fans they they kind of have a word. So maybe this is just kind of singular to soccer. Definitely more prominent in Europe, um, but it just like you said, it goes to show the culture. Uh, not only of Italian and European, but like kind of soccer, uh, where the fans, it's it's more than just being a fan. You're really you're really out there. You're part of the organization. So cooler heads should be prevail on this, and I think somebody's got to come in and be the adult in the room. I think an apology from Icardi definitely helps because then he can remove some blame from himself to the organization. If the organization sees that. At the end of the day, I think they got to side with their star player over their fans. Um, 
you know, in this particular instance. But what did the fans say? This is my favorite part of this. Take out that chapter because it's not true. We'll call it even. Take it back. It's a long take, road ahead take, for Ian. Uh, just take the, it back. the power of like, no, no, no. That book, you, you're not going to sell that book. You, you got to get that back. It definitely will remain to be seen. And I think that Icardi definitely has, you know, some penance to pay. Um, but to me, I want to know what you guys think before we kind of put this to bed. Do you think that it's this is Icardi being kind of like this prima donna starlet that's just going to do whatever he wants? I mean, there's been even some mafia accusations being thrown back and forth about who's going to beat up who, which on both sides is super childish. Yeah. Um, you know, is it a bit of that or do you think it's a bit of like inter overreacting and kind of throwing flames to the fire by punishing Icardi for what's happened? No, I, I I noticed, uh, so he got brought up with uh, the Barcelona uh, um, team at 15. I mean, that's young coming across. I know that's not entirely uncommon, but it's young, right? Uh, to start that, he starts his first Serie A game at age 19. He's got the captaincy ban at 22. I mean, that's... Of Inter. Of Inter, right. I mean, that's like enormous steps for a young person uh, to get that like... You know, I think his reaction has been like, I get it. I kind of messed up here. I will be more careful in the future. That's what I chalk it up to. I, I am just amazed at the inter he's, he's going the Odell Beckham Jr. Route. Guys, yes. I'm sorry to say it, but you are the captain of one of the biggest teams in the world. Um, you can't put out a book that disavows your fans for the team. It's just, it's just does in Italy especially, you, you can't get away with this. Uh, and if you're a young captain, you're not supposed to show that you want publicity. You're supposed to show that you're more mature than your age. So um, we'll see what happens. Again, you know, Inter needs to worry about other things because um, they need to get back uh, on a roll here. Yeah, they're they're definitely a team that could be changing coaches at halftime if off the field issues are spilling on. I mean, this this right now is a dumpster fire, and I'm hoping that maybe Inter, the management organization, come and be like. Apology accepted. Here's your fine. Do what you got to do to, uh, um, uh, you know, bridge the gap between you and the fans. But keep you got to put that ball in that net. Otherwise, you know, Arsenal for a lot of money doesn't right. sound too like a, too bad of an option. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Ireland's Four Courts. Ireland's Four Courts is one of Washington D.C. metro area's number or leading soccer pubs. They open up as early as 6 a.m. They have games on DVR by request. They show games from all the major leagues. They have drink specials, food specials. It's an awesome place. It's also home to Curva DC, AS Roma's official supporters club in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Yeah, yeah. Um, Big shout out to David and all the boys and girls at Ireland's Four Courts. Definitely check them out if you're around town for a game. All right, up next is Genoa Empoli. Christmas comes early for Empoli with a point, and Genoa derails themselves again with discipline problems. Tad, you got this one? Oh, yes. The mighty Azuri of Empoli left their friendly confines of the fair Tuscan's countryside to head north to the town of Christopher Columbus in the same week that some of the United States celebrate his discovery and introduction of Europe to the Americas. The Grafone must have felt proud and ready for the challenge of such a vaunted team entering their midst. Led by Uruguayan riffraff, the old fools waited the challenge of a team whose jerseys ran as white and clear as their eyes. Nice. Zero zero game. 
Genoa has another game where they have a red card, where they have a where they where they get a player sent off in the thirty fourth minute. Th- sorry, thirty fourth minute. Empoli is they just don't even try to be offensive in a game that they were up a man for three quarters of the game. They only had two shots on goal. Um, you know, Genoa did what they always do. They lose somebody. They rely on their defense. Riff raff and. Um, Spring break. Yeah, spring break. And uh Itzo, you know, they, they, they do all they can and it ends up in a in a snoozer of a zero zero draw. Um Genoa, for their part, they gotta be happy. They're at ninth with twelve points, again within striking distance. Um you gotta think that uh, uh you know, Ivan Urich, their coach, your sorry, Urich, their coach, he's gotta do something to, to do about this discipline problem for their team. Empoli is in nineteenth with five points. You know, one point for them. They're mounting the comeback, but it it, it kind of turned out the way these guys played the entire season. It's tough. It's tough. You uh, you know, it's it's hard to to find positives sometimes when when these teams are are really showing that they you know they can't pull out results. Uh, a a one one tie against Genoa is is honestly very good for Ampoli. Zero zero. So that's right, zero zero tie. I guess I guess that's karma. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think Skorupski had a good game, and he's been playing well. Usually, goalies playing on bad teams are making a lot of saves, and they're getting at least uh, their highlight reel filled out. So, um, you know, I hope that Empoli starts turning again. I keep saying I, I, we want depth in the city. Yeah, Empoli unfortunately is kind of poor. Uh, and Genoa, you know, they're in ninth place, and I think they'll be happy with that. Bright side, Genoa's unbeaten in four games, even though they can't keep out of the referee's book. Empoli gets a point. Up next, another snoozer. Fiorentina versus Atalanta, 0-0. This game took place in Florence at Stadio Artemio Franchi. A beautiful sunny day in beautiful Tuscany. And that's about as exciting as this game got. Uh, La Viola fans not happy about this game, definitely booing uh, the club. And uh, we mentioned at the top of the podcast, Prime Minister Renzi, uh, he's a big Fiorentina fan. No word if uh, he was booing as well. Uh, but the, the team definitely got booed, and, and probably rightly so. Um, biggest news, too, uh, we said Coach Souza uh, a few weeks back, the, the club seemed to really be in support of him. And, and uh you know, no had some job security, but now there's rumors swirling that he's only got a few, few games left, uh, or else he gets the uh, proverbial boot. Biggest thing out of this, uh, Fiorentina, they're in 14th place, nine points. They got Cagliari next with 13 points, so that should be a good game. And uh, Atalanta, they're in 13th place with 10 points, and they have Inter with 11 points. So maybe Inter writes their ship uh, against a struggling team of Atalanta. You know, funny thing is my uh, my friend, I just went to his wedding, and him and his wife, they are on a honeymoon trip to Italy, and this was the one game, because they have a super busy schedule, he's like, this is the one game I convinced her that we can go watch live, and I was like, well, you're, you know, you're in luck, because uh, Fiorentina, great stadium, you know, like, just like, great atmosphere, they have really good players, well, he got to see a 0-0 uh, tie, and, you know, half full stadium. Um, but it was you know, sunny out. Sorry about that, Andrew. But, you know, don't be too pissed. You're still in Italy. One thing I got to say is, where the heck are Bernadeschi? He's supposed to be a star. He hasn't played, hasn't scored in, in weeks. And 
My man, Frank Kessie. Ever since he's talking about going to Manchester United, he's been a ghost. These stars, they got to turn it around. This is a pathetic game. I'm sorry, Andrew, too, for you as well. <laughs> All right. Pescara Sampdoria. Another draw. 1-1. Campanato scores twice. Whose team is he playing for, though? Marco, you got this one? Yeah. Campanato scoring an own goal in the 12th minute. Header. And then he turns around in the 23rd minute. He, by the way, he plays for Piscata. He turns around in the 23rd minute. <laughs> I, you could have put a gun in my head. It would have been a 50-50. And scores another header. He used to play with uh, Napoli. He's, a, he's actually a very good player. Yeah, so. I know. I tweeted at him being like, hey, best day ever, worst day ever. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, after that, some thought he had definitely the, the, the better of the match. Uh, 23 shots, 10. Uh, and that time is really looking dangerous with Muriel. We know he's dangerous. He was dangerous uh, with Colombia yep. uh, for the qualifiers. Look, these two teams, they don't have a win between them in the last five weeks. That's ten games with not one win. Uh, and so now they're sitting 15 and 16. It, it all makes sense, you know. Yeah. They're playing each other. Um, again, it, it was an eventful game. And, uh, you know, at least, at least that. But... Um, They'll have to hold off another week for both of them to get a win, uh, and they both could surely use these points. So, uh, moving forward. All right. It's that time of the podcast, Crotone. They played Sassuolo, and Sassuolo this time is the one that breaks the Croutons' collective hearts with two goals in the last eight minutes to take it 2-1. Infinite sadness for the Croutons. Uh, Crotone right now, they're in 20th place. They got one point after the easiest part of their schedule. They start this game off pretty good. They're in the second minute, and Falcinelli cracks one uh, and, and scores uh, for Crotone, and that uh, leads to Crotone starting to park the bus. Yeah, you texted me. You're like, Falcinelli, remember the name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. And that uh, is the difference maker for the majority of this game. We got to fast forward all the way to the 83rd minute. Uh, for Sassuolo to, to draw even. They got the ball in Crotone's box. Sensi's got the back. He, his back is to the net. Uh, he, uh, one touches it with a volley, and it goes uh, to the lower part of the corner on, on like the one-two punch. So a pretty nice goal, to be honest. Uh, but you're sitting there, if you're a Crotone fan, you're like, we might pull this off. But then, no, we're only going to get a point now and uh, just infinite sorrow. At this point... If you're Crotone, guys, you have a decision to make, right? You could either, one, play for the win, because, hey, why not, right? Two, play for the tie and say, well, it's only our second point of the Serie A season. Or three, we could consult Pythagoras' theories for some answer to our Serie A woes, because everything else we've tried this season isn't working. So of those three choices, guys, what are you going to go with? I mean, whatever that last one was, uh, I'd probably just go with B. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, play, play for the draw. <laughs> Pray. Is that in there? What's the have, have all 10 guys, uh, all 11 guys stand holding just arms right in front of the goalie? goalie. Yeah. yeah. Well, it looks like Crotone took the uh, third option for Marco. That's uh, Pythagoras' theory. Because... Uh, um, 86 minutes, Sassuolo, they get across, and uh, it just it's in the six-yard box again. And uh, uh, it's uh, Imelo this time. 
He basically jogs through, taps it in. There are six Crotone defenders standing there, just downtrodden, watching this happen. And uh, goalkeeper Cordaz, it's it's just a terrible defending for them. And just shell shocks Patagarici after it. Uh, Coach Davide Nicola for Crotone. He looks like a long-haired toti from 10 years from now. And just he, his quote, this defeat really bothered me. <laughs> Tactically, we, we should have won. He's just running out of superlatives, I guess, to say after all these uh, results. Uh, when the heck is Berardi going to come back to Sassuolo? I'm so tired of talking about the Sassuolo team about when Berardi is going to come back. I thought I just was not going to say it. Yeah. Um, Di Francesco also had a pretty interesting quote. He said, uh, after 20 shots, losing this game would have been a mockery. And that immediately made me think, dude, losing to Crotone is going to be the mockery, not how many shots you put on goal. It's Crotone. Um, so it's just a, sc- a scare yeah, for Sassuolo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to continue the dream of them potentially being the Cinderella for Syria. So congrats to Sassuolo. Sadness for Crotone. All right, that wraps up week eight. Eight match days in, and the table is starting to shape up. Sort of. Taking a look at where everything sits now, we have uh, these teams playing in Europe. So in the Champions League, you got Juve, Roma, Milan, Napoli, in that order. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, that's what you would expect. Uh, Juve first, Roma second, Milan third, Napoli fourth. And then Europa, we got Torino up next with fifth, OTFR. And then honorable mentions, we got Chievo, Cagliari, and Sassuolo all knocking at the door. Hang the DJs, the flying donkeys are coming. (laughs) And uh, then at the bottom of the table, the relegation zone, we got Crotone, of course, sitting there with one point. Oh, a little pep in your step here, Chris. <laughs> yeah. uh, Empoli and Palermo. P- Empoli's turning it around. Yep, only one, one point behind Udinese. Uh, so that's uh, an honorable mention. We got Udinese and Piscara in the danger zone. Might might be falling down in the relegation zone soon. In the danger zone. The being dude. Yeah. So, so guys, uh, af- after this week... Who would you say, uh, who do you got for your players of the week? For me, hashtag Team Jekko, Jekko2016, running the ticket with Mohamed Salah. He has seven goals in the last eight, eight games. That's his best start ever, and he's doing it against the small teams. He's doing it against the mid-table teams. He's doing it against the big teams. For me, it's got to be Dybala. He's, uh, he's, he's definitely showing that he's the star that he, he was last season before he got injured. Look to this guy to being at the top of the goal-scoring charts by the end of the season. All right. So that'll do it for Week 8. Now we're going to look ahead a little bit to Week 9. Next week, we got some great Serie A games. Uh, Tad and Marco, what are your games of the week and your predictions for them starting for the weekend? Well, the big game, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit. I'm sorry, Marco. You can then come off come off as uh, uh, having a little bit more inside analytical skills than I do, but I'm going to go just the obvious one. Milan versus Juventus. Milan riding super high. Um, now, catapulting themselves in the Champions League, they are going to run into a roadblock with Juventus. Juventus with Diabolic, uh, you know, playing the way he is, and Iguain's going to start in this game. Um, they're going to have the Juventus back line really try and make a statement. I think they uh, they win this game 2-1. Yeah, and don't forget, I think that San is probably going to have 80,000 fans filling that stadium. That should be a show. Uh, but I actually think that the game of the week is going to go to Torino versus OTFR. A um, couple things there. Uh, Ciro Immobile coming back to Torino. 
Um, we talked about how impo- how important he is for OTFR right now. They're both on the cusp of uh, of European play, and I think this one goes to Torino uh, because they're hot right now. Uh, honestly, I think that they're one of the top five teams in it- Italy right now, uh, and they're really fun to watch. I think that Torino wins this one three to one. Yeah, maybe they get another goal out of Yaich. Maybe they get another goal out of Falke, and then they can send a nice Christmas card to Roma. Thank you for the players. <laughs> All right, so that's something to look forward to for this weekend's games. But before we get to Week 9 in Serie A, we also have Champions and Europa League going on. So here's what we got. Uh, Marco, you want to run down the list of uh, who, these, who these teams are? Yeah, so Juventus on Tuesday is going to be playing against Lyon. Tuesday is tomorrow as well. Uh, Napoli versus Besiktas on uh, Wednesday. And Napoli has six points looking to grab a stranglehold on the group. Uh, Besiktas is in second, but they only have two. Let's see how they rebound after that Roma loss. Thursday, and here we go, European uh, Europa League. This is the this is the fun stuff. FC Slovak uh, Lib- Librec is, sure. is going to be playing against Fiorentina. Uh, Inter is playing against Southampton. Whew, that was easy. <laughs> Roma versus uh, FC Austria Vienna. Uh, and SK Rapid Vienna versus Sassuolo. Uh, so, you know, just a note, all the teams in in, uh, in Europe right now are, are leading their groups, except for one team, Inter, they have zero points. Yeah, Inter's okay. also running in their hardest test in that game right there. Uh, how much you want to bet? Hey, bold prediction. Fiorentina doesn't score any goals. Okay. <laughs> I bet that Icardi scores a brace. Ooh, hot diggity dog. Chris doesn't have any predictions. No. No, I don't know. Roma over Austria Vienna. Go for it, Chris. Go for it, yeah. I, <laughs> no, I like... Uh, let's see if Sassuolo can uh, keep it going. They, they broke our hearts uh, with Crotone. Hopefully they continue to be the darlings against Rapid Vienna. And hopefully... Is that game... Is that, oh, that, that's an away game, so they're not playing at Reggiana Stadium, which is, I'm now going to start calling... I like Mapai that. Mapai Stadium, Call Reggiana, Reggiana Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fans would like that, too. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> so then uh, that'll do it for the midweek games uh, with Europa and Champions League. But we also got a special treat coming up. Uh, we got Marco. He did an interview for us. He sat down with a gentleman named Matt Arrington, who's a former professional soccer player, player in Italy. And he's the current owner of Arrington Training and Development. So Marco and Matt, they discussed growing up, playing in the States, going abroad and playing and the future of U.S. soccer development. So it's going to be a really insightful interview. Looking forward to it. Uh, the guy's really dedicated his life to football, and, and Marco uh, was, was uh, gracious enough to uh, uh, go up there and do the interview, and, and we're very grateful for, for Matt for giving it to us. In this country, we call it soccer. <laughs> well said. Uh, he's a big Serie A fan, Matt, and uh, also a Roma fan, so no surprise there with uh, a podcast fellow of, of uh, Roma fans. Sounds like an intelligent guy. Yes, yes. Or self-deprecating. <laughs> so uh, we're hoping to drop that uh, later in the week, uh, maybe on Friday or something. So, so uh, look out for that. And I think that'll do it for us, guys. So until then, we say... Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao.